Hey folks, I'm attorney Andrew Branca for Law and Self-Defense. Welcome to our coverage of the Kim Potter manslaughter trial over the April 11th, 2021 shooting death of Duante Wright in a suburb of Minneapolis when then-police officer Potter accidentally used her Glock 17 pistol in place of her intended taser. Today we saw an additional five jurors seated in the second day of jury selection for a total of nine seated jurors. Judge Regina Chu is seeking to have 14 jurors seated in total, 12 to deliberate the verdict, and two alternates. That naturally means that five additional jurors remain to be seated. Three prospective jurors were dismissed today using peremptory strikes. One of those was by the defense, which has now used two of its five peremptory strikes, leaving three. Importantly, however, two of today's strikes were by the state, meaning the state has now exhausted all three of its peremptory strikes, with five jurors yet to be chosen. And yes, you heard that right. The defense gets five peremptory strikes. The state gets only three in criminal prosecutions not involving a life imprisonment sentence. Before I jump into things, though, I do want to mention an exceptional opportunity for all of you to consider. Perhaps once every 12 or 18 months, we do one of our full-day Law of Self-Defense advanced courses. This is a full-day class that's the equivalent of a law school seminar on self-defense law. It's applicable to all 50 states, taught in my usual plain English style without any confusing legalese. This class is taught live by me, streamed to you at your computer using Zoom, and there's plenty of opportunity for live Q&A with me during the class. Because we allow for live Q&A, however, we have to share limit the number of seats available. So on the rare occasions when we do one of our Law of Self-Defense advanced classes, they invariably fill up almost immediately after we announce the date. And we've announced the date for this one. It's taking place on Saturday, January 8th, 2022. If you've ever wanted a true mastery of the Law of Self-Defense, here's the best, really among the only opportunities to grab that expertise with both hands. Again, seats are already going fast. So if you're at all interested, I urge you to grab your slot today by pointing your browser to lawofselfdefense.com slash advanced. So juror number 17 was the first seated today, the first heard today, and she was seated quick in less than nine minutes of voir dire. She presented as a young female, recently graduated from, I presume, college, Again, went through voir dire in less than nine minutes from start to end, with the end being having her seated as the fifth juror on this trial. Indeed, the voir dire was so rapid, I don't really have many notes of interest. Uh, I did notice that juror number 17 had apparently written on her jury questionnaire that she didn't know whether the jury system was fair. And when asked about this by assistant DA Matthew Frank, her reason for this uncertainty was simply that she didn't have enough information to know. I thought that was a perfectly reasonable position. I also noted that Frank pressed her a bit on her willingness to apply the law as the judge instructs the jury, whether she likes it or not. She, of course, agreed. And this is very normal, but... Coming from Frank in particular, it reminds us that the state is trying to convince still the judge to give a very loosely defined recklessness instruction, one substantially lower than the normal burden for criminal recklessness. And I suppose Frank wants to ensure that if juror number 17 feels ill at ease with finding criminal liability on such a low standard, she'll apply the loose instruction regardless. Next was juror 19. Also seated, uh, the voir dire of juror 19, who presented as a black mother of three. Uh, the black part, obviously, is just uh, speculation on my part based on the audio, which is all we have. Um, but I believe that uh, data on uh, ethnicity 
demography will be released by the court either at the end of the day or, or soon thereafter. In any case, she's a teacher married to a local truck driver. Uh, this took substantially longer than had juror number 17, consuming a full 40 minutes of voir dire. The result was the same, however, with juror number 19 ultimately being seated as the sixth juror in this trial. Notable impressions of juror 19 included that she owns both a taser and presumably firearms, or at least the presumption is based on her acknowledgement that she possesses a license to carry firearms. The taser, I should note, is likely not a taser brand device, uh, but a more common, less expensive press-to-stun electroshock device, at least based on her own description. Particularly interesting to me was when pressed by Assistant DA Frank on the gun matter, where he was asking if she owned guns just for personal protection, she indicated that the guns were also useful for sporting purposes, as a hobby. <clears throat> as someone who spent a lifetime of competitive shooting, I can say that women are far less represented in that sport than many of us would like, so it's always nice to come across another one. Juror 19 had a somewhat negative impression of both Potter and Wright based on news reports at the time and having seen the body cam video of the shooting event. She did strongly disagree with the notion that police officers should not be second-guessed about decisions made in the course of their duty, expecting them to recognize that it's a job of service to the public, a tough job, but that requires maintaining professionalism. We can't see any of the jurors, of course, but based solely on audio, I'm again guessing that juror number 19 is a black female. When asked by the defense if she would have any difficulty returning to her community if she rendered a not guilty verdict, she indicated she would not. Next seated was juror number 21, presenting as a white male. Uh, he was seated on the jury after only about 20 minutes of voir dire um, before he was seated as the seventh juror on this trial. Like, Many others, number 21 comes to the trial with a somewhat negative impression of both Potter and Wright, again, based on media reports and the body cam video at the time. With respect to Potter in particular, number 21 brought a sense that her actions should have been more thought out. On the other hand, he also wrote in his questionnaire that he did not condone running from the police. I definitely got a bit of a woke vibe from number 21, although that one struck me as more passive, a result of immersion in a woke environment rather than active. For example, he had completely bought into the Black Lives Matter propaganda that there was a veritable plague of police killings of young black male suspects, when in fact such events are extremely rare outcomes of a police interaction with a young black male suspect. When pressed slightly by defense counsel Gray, however, the juror conceded he had no factual basis for this belief, no statistics or studies, for example. Next seated was juror number 22, uh, who presented as another white male in his late 50s or early 60s. He works as a registered nurse, is studying to become a nurse practitioner. After about 25 minutes of voir dire, he would be seated as the eighth juror in this trial. He came to this trial with a neutral impression of both Potter and Wright based simply on having insufficient information to make an informed impression. And again, that certainly struck me as reasonable enough. He did have an initial sense that Potter had made an error, but that's hardly arguable, really. I mean, the issue at this trial is the degree of culpability, if any, for that error. I think everybody agrees, clearly, an error was made. When informed by defense counsel Eng that Potter would be testifying and asked if he would wait to hear her testimony until forming an opinion on a verdict, he agreed that he would. On voir dire by the state, we learned that juror number 22 owns guns, but apparently only shotguns for duck hunting, a long-standing family tradition. He agreed with the statement that the police help keep the community safe 
And even someone agreed that it was wrong to second-guess the police about decisions made in the course of their duties. At the same time, he said he expects them to be law-abiding in making those difficult decisions too. And the final juror seated today was number 26, presenting as a young woman, uh, spent just over 30 minutes in voir dire, most of that by the state, before becoming the ninth juror seated in this trial. She indicated only moderate impressions for both Potter and Wright. Uh, She also had family with strong opinions on the case, although she didn't indicate which way those lean, and she told the court she'd be able to not let family opinions influence her. Uh, To my ear, number 29 came across as fair and impartial, perhaps a bit strong-willed, which is fine. She had a brother on active duty, has a brother on active duty in the Marine Corps, and believes both Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter are properly just ways for groups of people to voice themselves to the greater community. And that was it. That was the fifth juror seated for today. Of course, there were a number of jurors who were dismissed for cause. Um, But let me touch on the peremptory strikes. So both the state and defense made use of peremptory strikes again today. I won't cover the stricken jurors in detail because they're no longer relevant to the case. But for those of you interested in seeing what kind of prospective jurors are removed by each side using the peremptory strikes, I'll embed the video of each of those voir dire for those three stricken jurors, stricken by peremptory strikes, in the text version of today's content. And again, one was stricken by the defense, leaving the defense with three of five peremptory strikes. Two today were stricken by the state. They had also stricken a juror yesterday, so they've exhausted their three permitted peremptory strikes in this trial with five jurors still to go. Okay, folks, that's all I really have for you at the moment. Be sure to join us again tomorrow morning at Legal Insurrection for our ongoing live coverage, including real-time commenting and streaming of the trial proceedings, and then again at day's end for our analysis of the day's proceedings. Until tomorrow morning, remember, if you carry a gun so you're hard to kill, that's why I carry a gun so I'm hard to kill, so my family is hard to kill, then you also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law so you're hard to convict. Until tomorrow, I remain Attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense.